It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. For purposes of nomenclature, record-keeping, and NHL awards, the 2019-20 regular season has been deemed to be completed. This is Shang. Sorry, I don't have video up, but I'm just wondering why The Rock for Tommy. Uh, he's, he's got a sponsorship deal with Under in the same traps. <laughs> tell him to take his shirt off and you'll find out. I know, I'm surprised he's not wearing I can, I can show you my legs. Maybe I got some tight <laughs> legs, but not the upper body. Show us where all those cupcakes go. <laughs> yeah, I just saw that this morning. What did you saw this morning? Cupcakes store? No, the tweet about, uh, I saw the, the waistline in the old baby outfit. I didn't know if it was real or if that was a hula hoop. <laughs> when the given go-ahead from the medical experts and the relevant government authorities is given, 24 of our 31 teams will resume play. The top 12 in each conference as ranked by percentage points from our standings as they stood through the games of March 11th when we paused our season as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Look at that playoff beard. <laughs> hey. What's up, beauty? How's it going? Good, I miss you. I miss Your you hair's, too. Your hair is just as good looking as it was when I last saw you. Yeah, if you want to, if you look at my daughter right now, you'll see why I'm late. Just a mess. You know, it's tough. Even when I, we're playing, you know, the playoff games, a lot of us are mic'd up in a lot of those games. You know, you, you think about it a little bit and warm up, and then once the puck drops, you forget that you got a mic on. And, you know, you, you may say something dumb on the bench to lighten the mood or say something to a trainer that's just out of the blues or out of the ordinary. And then you're thinking, like, damn, I got this mic on. I hope <laughs> these people in the truck don't think I'm, you know, an idiot. Oh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. Ted Ramey with you, as always, for what will be the final morning tide of this regular season because as we heard from Gary Bettman coming in the regular season is at an end at some point hopefully sooner rather than later the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to begin or this unusual version of the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to begin unfortunately it won't include the San Jose Sharks which is why I gave you a taste of uh, the season ending presser uh, via Zoom that uh, some of the members of the Sharks got. We had uh, Brent Burns and Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle in one, and we had Mario Ferraro and Eric Carlson in another. We're also going to talk to Doug Wilson a little bit later in this episode because we always want to hear what the general manager and the first-ever captain of the San Jose Sharks has to say after what we can all agree was a pretty unexpectedly rough season for the Sharks, and we're going to get into more of that sound from the year-ending pressers uh, that we got from Mario and EK65 and Logan and Burnsy and the Ninja Hurdle, all our friends, we're going to get all their stuff in there because there's a lot to unpack and uh, some stuff that I think you all want to hear about what happened this year and what might happen next year and things of that nature. But uh, I do have to say before I go any farther, I would be... I won't say it would be a dereliction of duty, but it would be poor taste if I did not acknowledge 
what was going on all around the United States of America in the course of time since we last spoke one Monday ago. I was very proud of everything that Evander Kane had to say. I love the fact that Logan Couture took to social media to back him up, and I love the way that the San Jose Sharks as an organization have backed up Evander Kane and have spoken out about the horrific events that are happening uh, that have set off these protests across the nation. That said, this is a hockey talk show and podcast, and I know that many of you upon waking up this morning might not want to hear about everything else and you might want an escape, so that's what I'm here to bring you, but I didn't want to go any further without acknowledging uh, what was happening around the United States of America and, of course, right here in the Bay Area. But as for the San Jose Sharks, like I said, the regular season has come to an end. The San Jose Sharks are not going to the playoffs. It is a drastic disappointment overall as a year. I did not see this coming, I have to admit. I thought the Sharks were going to be in the playoffs. I mean, I thought we were going to have a regular 82-game season. That's, that's for damn sure. And I assume the San Jose Sharks would be making another relatively deep run, if not all the way to the Stanley Cup final once again. That didn't happen. Team had a bad training camp. That's been well documented by now. I still, I, I haven't gotten quite the clearest answer of what bad training camp specifically means, uh, but it's been spoken about by a number of players. Even with Pete DeBoer, when he was still with the franchise, he acknowledged it. We're going to get into some of that sound later. The players acknowledged it. Um, you know, when we get into the talk with Doug Wilson a little bit later, he acknowledged it. You know, I, the, that might be something they might want to keep um, closer, more in-house, but it's something that was obviously a factor in the season. Of course, the early suspension to Evander Kane didn't help. The Eric Carlson absence. Um, then, you know, you get things rolling in the month of November, see it all kind of fall apart in the month of December. You make the change at head coach. Things start trending in the right direction. And then three of your most important players go down in Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, and Eric Carlson. It was not the way this team was supposed to work out this year. It was not the way that we were expecting it. It's not what we've come to expect to Sharks hockey. Um, and now it's it's over with and, and done with. And what's amazing to me is that one of the two most forgettable years of San Jose Sharks hockey over the last decade, the other one being the 2014-2015 season, the other year in the last 10 years that the team hasn't made the playoffs, this one is going to go down easily as one of the most memorable due to the fact that the team fired a head coach in the middle of the season and it got shut down earlier due to the coronavirus pandemic. We're never going to forget this season. We might want to, but we're not going to. But I do think that there were some bright spots, like Mario Ferraro. He looks like a player for the future. He looks like a player. He is the, I'll put it this way. He is the present and the future of the San Jose Sharks. Same thing with Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson, when he was healthy, he looked exactly like the guy that made the Sharks the envy of the hockey world when they were able to acquire him. Health, of course, was a factor. Health was a factor with Logan Couture. Health was a factor with Tomas Schertl. There was maybe too much pressure on Timo Meyer. maybe too much pressure on a LeBanc, maybe too much pressure across the board to replicate what the Sharks were able to do a year before when they made it to the Western Conference final and fell short against the eventual champions. There's nothing wrong with a season that ends and you being one of the final four teams left. However, not many guys on the Sharks are going to agree with that. There is the mentality, and I've talked to this many, many times over the course of this podcast, the San Jose Sharks operate 
as if it is a Stanley Cup or bust operation. And I think that is a fantastic standard to have. But with that standard, we have to acknowledge that there is one team that succeeds and 30 other that fail. Now, that's not the reality because you can still have a successful season and not win the Stanley Cup. That's how I view last year. But this year, because it was such an aberration from what we were all expecting, I think it hit us all that much harder. I think it was that much harder for us all to accept and understand what exactly was happening to the team. But, you know, you could tell that they just couldn't find themselves. And by the time they did, it was too little, too late. And combined with the injuries, it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. And I'm not going to go back and tell you about my favorite highlights of the year or you know, whatever it's going to be, that's that's a show that I don't think anybody really wants to do. I liked the month of November. The month of November was pleasing to me. The rest of it, ugh, it wasn't. And I like what Bob Bugner brought. I, I liked what we saw from Jumbo. I liked that Patrick Marlowe returned to the franchise. Those were nice things, but, you know, other than the winning that we saw in the month of November, most of the year was unfortunately a disappointment. But as you're going to hear later on, we do get into some of the reasons of why this team has the ability to get themselves back into the postseason and why there are parallels already being drawn from what we saw from the 2014-2015 campaign when the team did not make the playoffs. With that, we are going to switch gears and we are going to get right into it. We are now joined by the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. It is Doug Wilson. Doug, what's going on, man? How are you? How are you doing? Well, just like everybody, we're trying to hang in there and help take care of each other during this time. You're a hockey lifer, and obviously, in the course of your career, there there have been work stoppages, there's been other interruptions, but nothing like this. And I'm just curious how someone like you, whose life, you know, it obviously your family and who you are as a person is it was what defines you. But the other big part of your, you know, the duality of Doug is that you are hockey. You are the San Jose Sharks. You've been with this franchise for a long time and suddenly you're thrust into this unknown like the rest of us. You know, how have you been handling that? Are you are you the type that sublimates and works even harder or are you are you taking a step back and especially considering everything has been so up in the air? Well, I think the uh, you know, we have our list of action items on the on the business and the hockey side that we have to prioritize, uh, you know, such as the draft being prepared for that or you know, signing some college or European free agents. But uh, I think during this time, the one thing that um, should resonate with everybody is that uh, what's going on in our community and our society supersedes sports. I mean, this is truly, I don't think any of us have been through this in our lifetime. And uh, I'm proud of our, our ownership and our players, our fans, our community of how they're taking care of each other. And it's just, um, you know, when we do come out of this, and we will, um, uh, I, I hope we never forget all the people in the, the front lines, the healthcare workers, and everybody that have done just an amazing job during this process. Yeah, well said, and I, I don't think we we will forget any of that. And uh, not to be glib, but I'm curious: Are you trying to forget what happened over the course of the last season with the Sharks? Things obviously didn't go the way that you wanted to, or what you had planned for. I mean, do you have a top-down, 30,000-foot view of, of what happened this past season before the injuries really piled on? I mean, was it the cumulative impact of deep postseason runs? Was it the need for a new voice even before you decided to make the change at head coach? Was it getting off on the wrong foot with the suspension of Kane and the Eric Carlson absence? I mean, it just I'm curious if you're able to give a direct top-down view like that. 
Well, I think you can. I mean, what you do is you have to review every year, and every year is different, and uh, every year has its unique circumstances and realities. Um, I don't believe in playing the blame game, but you have to explore everything to find solutions. Um, I start by looking in the mirror, things that I could do differently, and, and looking at that. Then I talk to our players, I talk to our coaches, and you know, the, some of the realities are, um, you know, we didn't have a very good training camp, and we had didn't have a lot of continuity. We had some injuries. We had guys coming back from injuries. We had a suspension with the Vander Kane. We uh, had a couple other guys go out of the lineup. Um, but my concern was we've had two years in a row where we've had bad starts. And in this league of uh, elevated parity, you really you lose that margin of error if you don't get off to a good start. Uh, a year ago, we were struggling after 27 games. This year, uh, bad camp, bad October. Then we played very well in November as far as our record. We were 11 of 13, and then we regressed again in December. And in this league, you know, you get behind like that. Then you get exposed should you have injuries. And then we, we lost Logan and Eric and Tomash. I think it made it very difficult. Um, but we did it to ourselves. And uh, what you do is you learn from those experiences. And that's the process we're going through right now. Uh, and having talked to a lot of our players, they can't wait to get back at it next season. And... Uh, and show the type of team that we we are and that we can be. I don't know if you even want to play this game, but do you think that if Logan and Eric and Tomas had been able to stay healthy, do you think the team could have scratched back into a playoff spot over what we would have assumed would be a normal 82-game regular season? I think uh, it would have been challenging, but I do believe the group could have done that, and they were starting to play with a lot more structure, uh, I think more committed defensively and playing the right way for longer periods of time. Uh, unfortunately, we we won't know, and uh, we don't have that answer because uh, put yourself in your position to uh, have to make up that amount of ground. Uh, injuries are part of this game, and, and that's part of the uh, the factor of what happened to us. Did you just want to throw your hands up, though, when you had those three consecutive huge injuries pile one on top of the other? I mean, I, I that's kind of what I did. I, I just kind of just said, well, you know, there's no predicting any of this. I mean, you predict injuries, but you don't predict three of – you know, your most valuable players consecutively getting injured? Well, in our business, though, you've got to look at, uh, you know, injuries are going to happen. I mean, you take a look at a team like uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. They had as many injuries as we did uh, at different times. And, you know, the old uh, next man up uh, approach, they uh, they got through that. But they also got off to a much better start earlier in the year. So uh, there were indications. We played some pretty good hockey games, uh, you know, midway through the year. We beat Pittsburgh a couple of times. Uh, I think we beat Toronto. We had a uh, you know, liked where our game was trending. Um, but as I said, you, you've got to have the foundation in play, come out of the gates early in the year, playing the right way so that you have something to build upon. And and uh, I don't think we did that last year. Well, to, to your point about the team trending in the right direction, in spite of those injuries, Bob Bugner had the team, like you said, trending in the right direction. Now, you, you know, you paraphrase so much that he's in the lead for the head coaching position, but is there a specific deadline to make that decision beyond the proximity of the you know, start of the next regular season, whenever that ends up being? Well, I think it's important that you use this time that we have um, properly and use it to our advantage. And, and part of it is going through and being very thorough in this process. Um, I think Bob came in, and very difficult to do an in-season change like that. I thought he came in and uh, change some things. The high-scoring uh, danger chances against went way down. Um, I think uh, we played a little bit more to our identity and structure as he went forward. Then the injuries took place, so it's hard to really, uh, you know, 
fully evaluate it, but I think Bob came in uh, and, and did a very good job, as did Roy Sommer, Navi, and Reach. And uh, when you take a look around the league, some of the, the most successful coaches in the year are guys in the league are guys that uh, it was their second opportunity, whether it be Bruce Cassidy in Boston or Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, Craig Berube in St. Louis. So, you know, Bob follows that path of this being his second opportunity. We know him. Uh, he knows our organization, our younger players, and he certainly has the inroads uh, for this position. There is no timeline at this point other than Bob and I talk every day, every couple of days on, on formulating how we want to play next year, how it matches our personnel, and building upon some of the things that he implemented when he came in. Goaltending was one area that people have highlighted as an issue. What's your opinion of that role as it played out over the, over the course of last season, and how do you see it lining up for next year? Well, first thing, you know, our goalies would say they, they could have been better, and I think every one of our players, and one of the things I really appreciate about our players and I believe in our players is they would look in the mirror and say, this is what they could do better. Um, I have to do the same thing as a general manager. Bob has to do the same thing as a coach, look in the mirror first. But when it comes to goaltending, you know, we had the best penalty killing in the league by a wide margin. And uh, it's the same goalies, it's the same defensemen, in most cases the same forwards. So we know what we're capable of. And I think I look at goals against and, and uh, goal differentials, and I look at it as a team-wide thing, not just goaltending. Uh, I know the work that Martin Jones is putting in already this summer and uh, uh, to, you know, to get back to the level that he was at. But I think it's more a collective uh, result is that we – didn't play the right way in all three zones, and thus I think it uh, it ended up impacting our goals against. Uh, by chasing the puck sometimes and not playing the right way, you don't have a, the puck enough to attack offensively. So the lack of connection in how we needed to play as a team was the one uh, we need to address. The goaltending will benefit and reap the benefits of that, as I think we saw right at the end of uh, you know, the last part of the year when our goaltending numbers Scoring was down this year. Is there a general plan on how you address that moving into next year? Are you looking at the younger guys? Where do you see some of these international pickups? Um, I know you can't share thoughts specifically on free agency, but do you have a, a 30,000 foot view of the, the forward position? Well, first things first, your best players have to be your best players. And there's no doubt we've got some quality people. You know, we've got guys that have been 30 goal scorers in this league. We've got Norris trophy defensemen. Again, playing the right way, attacking the right way, we're going to make some changes to uh, our style of play and our approach. You've got some younger guys that I think are truly uh, you know, important parts of their career where they can step to the next level. Obviously, the Tomas Hurdles, the Timo Myers, the, the Kevin LeBanks, etc. cetera. Um, so we think when we're successful, we get scoring across, across the board. A guy like Marcus Sorensen, uh, 17 goals two years ago last year, a little bit of a down year. We got some young guys that are coming in. You saw some of them: uh, Dylan Gambrell, Noah Gregor, Alexander True. Uh, they'll be a year older with some experience of playing in the league. We've got a guy like uh, John Leonard coming in, who led all of college scoring, mm -hmm. college hockey, and, and goal scoring. Uh, played with Mario Ferraro the, the year before. He's he's strong. He's got he's got a man's body already. So we're going to have a lot of guys that I think will come in and compete and uh, and push. Uh, we always look externally, um, whether that be in a uh, European free agent, which we've had a lot of success in, and we'll take a look at other ways to acquire players, whether it be through trade, certainly through the draft. Um, we've always looked at ways to improve our hockey team, but a lot of it will come from internally. 
Let's talk about Eric Carlson. He's unfortunately been interrupted by injury in his first two years with the Sharks, but obviously there have been times where he has looked exactly like the player that made you know the Sharks the envy of the league by acquiring him. You're two years into his time with the San Jose Sharks. Has your vision for Carlson changed at all, or has it become more concrete? No, I mean, he's... Uh... This time will be of great benefit to him on two fronts. One, he'll get completely healthy, which he is now. And two, he'll have the chance to, to regain the elite-level fitness that great players have. You know, he had uh, an abdominal procedure, an injury coming into camp this year, so he probably didn't, wasn't able to get to the level that he wanted to. He's one of the best players in this league. Um, we've seen him when he's been healthy and on top of his game. He's actually just coming into the prime of his career. You know, he's 29, turning 30, um, and... He is going to come back with a burning desire to show everybody uh, what he's capable of, and, and we're very fortunate to have him, have Brent Burns, have guys from the back end that can uh, be the genesis of the offense that we're looking for. As we change how we play and activate them more, I think it'll uh, uh, have impacts right across the board up front on how we uh, create offense and score goals. I'm just just curious from your viewpoint as a, as a former player and defenseman, looking at Eric Carlson and watching how the duties – of a defenseman have changed over the years. When you do look at a player of his caliber and some of the things that he's capable of, do you, do you shake your head at times? Well, when you see players do those things, um, you just have to admire it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, what Brent Burns does, what Eric does, what uh, Tomash does, what Timo does, what Evander can do. Uh, these, these guys are, are truly capable of doing great things out there. Um, and in this league, you have to have, you know, players of that level to compete against the top teams. But the one thing about hockey is you need everybody. And you got to have everybody playing the right way. you got to have everybody committing uh, you know, game in, game out. And I think we ran into a bit of a problem that our guys care a lot and sometimes they try to do too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's, it's a problem. It's a good problem to have, I guess. But uh, we have to get everybody just playing uh, the way that the coaches need them to play, not always the way they want to play. And, and that's uh, when you've got highly talented guys um, – um, that's something that has to be uh, corralled in. I've, I've never seen you as a guy who stepped on the head coach's toes at all, but also knowing, you know, the type of player you were and how you've even said before that you understand how it is when you try to do too much. Have you ever wanted to go talk to the players about how trying to do too much can, can hamper things? Or have you just always said, you know what, I need to stay out of that arena? We're all in it together, you know, the coaching staff, and, uh, and we always talk about this, how can we help, what the messaging is. Uh, but the coaches always decide who plays, how much they play, and in what roles they do. It's the way it has to be. Um, but you've got to have a collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's uh, any insight or input that uh, the coaches or players want, um, we can talk as a group. And I think this group really cares. I mean, it's, uh, we go back to 2014 and 15 when we, we missed the playoffs for the last time. Uh, how the guys came back, uh, they took ownership of it. They put in extra work in the summertime, and uh, we certainly rebounded very well, and we uh, we look forward to doing the same thing this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, you walked me into my next question, is that in terms of a learning experience, because for the most part, I mean, it's, it's nothing but success for the San Jose Sharks. You last missed it in 2014-2015. You repeat again this year. You know, it's been a while, but you missed the playoffs again. Is there a learning experience that's comparable from this year to the 2014-2015 season, or is that it's not apples-to-apples apples comparison? 
Well, every year and every team is different, but I think the experiential learning you get is how much it, uh, uh, distaste you have for missing the playoffs. You know, our guys are highly competitive. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned before, you know, our, some of our guys have played a lot of hockey, so this time off now might be beneficial to us if we use it properly. Some guys like Tomas Hurdle and Redeem Cmac getting healthy, Eric and, uh, and Logan certainly. But I think the burning desire from athletes that have high expectations have been very accustomed to having success and, and, uh, um, they are highly motivated, and every one of them that I've talked to lately, uh, it's the same response. You know, can't wait to, to put the work in this summer. Can't wait to get back because it's not what you say, it's what you do, and that's what the, the group did after 14-15, and I'm hearing the same things from the players now. I heard you say in the last week or so that the team has a chance of coming out better on the other side of all this, and you just briefly touched on that. Can you Can you elaborate on that statement of what, coming out better on the other side means to you? Because, I mean, obviously you think the record improves, but I know you're thinking beyond just the immediate record in terms of the standings. Well, I think what happens is, uh, you know, when you fall down and skin your knees, it's how you get up and what that attitude is. And when you take a look at guys that, uh, like Logan and, and Timo and, uh, and Eric and Bernsey and, and uh, Tomas Hurdle, I mean, these guys, they have great pride. And I think what it does is it kind of bonds them together. What we did this past season didn't work. We didn't get off to a good start. We didn't have a good camp. That's not going to happen again. And uh, as I said, we believe in our guys. And uh, I know how they're going to respond to it. Um, but as they, as they say, you know, you got to go put the work in and come out and have a great training camp and get off to a good start uh, when that season starts next year. So other than hockey, which I know that takes up obviously a lot of your time, what else have you been doing to keep yourself busy? I mean, I, I like I said, I mean, I, I'm sure you've watched some of the classic games on the NHL Network or else some of the classic Sharks games that have played. But, I mean, how else is a man who's... I view you as a man who does not um, just like to sit around and twiddle his thumbs. Well, I think we've uh, we've got a great staff. A couple of things. You know, we were preparing for the draft, so our scouting staff and our group has done over 160 interviews on Zoom eligible players so that's taken up a lot of time for the staff we have the pro scouts uh, uh, exploring things also one of the things I think that was uh, interesting to me because I was in Chicago at the time and knew several of the participants was the uh, the last dance uh, the documentary by Michael Jordan mm -hmm. on Michael Jordan and the Bulls and I've talked with a lot of our coaches and a lot of our players that followed it and uh, I think it's opened up a lot of discussion points and a lot of uh, uh, Things I think that um, trying to find solution finding, uh, finding uh, ways through adversity, how you handle success. So there's a lot of uh, things in that journey that I think a lot of people really learn from, uh, ask questions, and open up a lot of healthy discussions from. Awesome, Doug. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you, my friend. I, you know, I'm thinking back in the last time that you know we were speaking in person. I think it was in the elevator after a game in February, and that seems like eons ago, and I'm looking forward to when we're both back together at the arena and in an elevator uh, once again after a Sharks game, and hopefully at some point with a, with a packed house at SAP Center. It just, you know, it's it's the uh, it's the great unknown at this point, but hopefully sooner rather than later that will be our reality. Well, thank you. Stay healthy and safe. Again, that was the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, Doug Wilson. I loved a lot of what he had to say. I just wish we didn't have to wait so darn long 
to find out what happens next with this franchise. That's that's the frustrating part right now. And I listen, I get it. I understand. There's a pandemic going on. There are bigger factors at play. But I love hockey. <laughs> you know, I want to see what happens next with the San Jose Sharks. And right now we have a very long layoff in front of us until we likely get the next chapter in the story that is the San Jose Sharks. But I can be patient, and I do want to bring you some of this stuff that we heard from the season-ending presser involving Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, and Mario Ferraro. Let's start with Logan Couture giving his overall evaluation of the 2019-2020 season. Uh, yeah, difficult, um, frustrating at times, obviously. You know, we're not used to, to losing or having a losing season here, so um, it wasn't fun, I think. As a group, we know that uh, every single person needs to be better next year. And I think with this long break, it adds, uh, it adds time for guys to get prepared. Um, motivation should be at an all-time high for, for everyone. I mean, when you have a year like this, you want to come back and prove people that uh, it was just a fluke. And we, we believe that we're, we're a good team. We have all the pieces in that room to, uh, to be successful. We just need to go out and do it. And that's one of the things that I find encouraging, the fact that I think Logan Couture speaks to the fact this team is pissed off about what happened this last year and they want to go back and prove people wrong and they want to prove that they are one of the elite teams in the NHL and that they should be vying for a Stanley Cup title and not sitting while the rest of the league or 24 out of 31 teams gets to compete in these altered playoffs. And one of the things that the team has to figure out is why things didn't go the right direction, why the team wasn't able to come together. One week ago, we talked about the comments that Martin Jones made. Uh, Logan Couture was asked about that. It seemed like he hadn't heard yet about those comments of the team kind of going their own way. This was his reaction. You, you know, when, when you're losing and uh, things aren't going your way, frustration builds, and it builds uh, quickly. Um, and with us, a lot of guys in, in our room have never gone through a season like that. Um, some may have years ago, but not recently. So um, I don't think... It, you know, from top to bottom, I don't think anyone handled it to the best possible way. And, um, you know, I'm obviously in that group. There's a lot that that I think um, I, I can learn from this year. And really that's all we can do now is, uh, is move forward, learn from this, um, come together. Everyone needs to buy in. Um, you know, everyone got to get on the same page. Like I said, get a good training camp underneath us and, and get going from there. Um, but, but everyone will learn from this year and, uh, it'll make us stronger. And you heard him mention it a little bit, but Logan did talk about some of those troubles that were stemming from the start of the year in training camp. Yeah, we, we just weren't sharp. I mean, it, it, not to make an excuse, it's tough when, when you come off a, a Western conference final, and, um, you know, summer short, you still kind of have that, uh, feeling, you know, that. You know, you're a really good team and you maybe think, you know, it's just going to come to you, but you really got to work at it. Um, you know, you look at our, our preseason games, we got spent in a lot of those games. Um, things didn't start off too hot. So I think uh, as a group, it's been discussed and uh, I believe that we're going to be better in camp this year. And His audio got cut off a little bit there, but you, you hear it. You hear that they acknowledge there was a problem coming out of the gates, and it's something that needs to be rectified going forward. And he also talked about how this compared to the 2014-2015 season and how the team responded the following year. Yeah, thinking back to, to that year, um, 
you know, that year was a little different. We, we were in it, I think, until like February, and then we had a tough February. Um, I think a lot of guys went home, and um, in their summer, they, they made it a priority to, to be in better shape, to come back with, uh, with some bite to their game. And, um, you know, Doug challenged a lot of us to, to step up our games and improve as players and come into next year and um, show people that we're still a good team here in San Jose. I mean, I believe that summer a lot of people wrote us off, said the window's closed, and this team's, this team's done, you know, stick a fork in them. So I think that lit a fire for a lot of us. Um, and it's going to be the same thing this year. I mean, there's going to be people that are going to write those same articles. There's going to be fans that are just going to say the same things. And, you know, the only, the only re- way that that can change is we, we go out and, and make a change, show, show them that we're still a good team. Um, we still have the pieces in my mind to, to compete. Um, so really that's all we can do. Work as hard as we can this summer. Be as prepared as we can into next camp. Have a good training camp because I think our training camp this year wasn't up to par. So have a better one and, and, and get off to a good start because we didn't get off to a good start this year. So if I had to guess, I would say those challenges from Doug Wilson and from Logan Couture, as well as Bob Bugner, who seems to be the front runner for the official non-interim head coach title of the San Jose Sharks. Again, I would say they've been issued. Here's Brent Burns weighing in on his thoughts over Bob Bugner this year. Yeah, it's never easy to uh, to be involved in the coaching change players, coaches, you know, I think across the board, it's a, it's a tough situation when it happens so fast. I think we've been very lucky to have our, the previous coaches were unbelievable. I mean, that's just the, that's a fact. They, they were great coaches. Um, we were lucky to have them. It was a great atmosphere. We had success together, you know, and then, and Boog's come coming back from another place. It was awesome. I, 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 the, all the guys were excited to have him back. I think he went off and he learned a lot. You know, you could see there was a difference in him uh, from ha- being a head coach uh, for, for the time he was in Florida. But he still is boogie. You know, I think at the end of the day, he, he still has all those positive things that made him so great as an assistant. Um, he learned to be a head coach. So he just evolved and, and became, uh, you know, a little bit more – authoritative is that the correct word you know I think he had he has that ability to to interact with guys like he's still a player he's he's a great communicator he gets what's going on Uh, he sees it you know but at the end of the day he's still he's got that little bit of a fear of God in him you know so it's you know I think he learned a lot from Pete being around him too so and, and you're learning from a great coach so he was great before, but you could definitely see he was more well-rounded. I don't know if well-rounded is the right word. He, he definitely evolved, and he was better, and he was great. I think he created a great – you know, the atmosphere was still – what he creates is good. You know, I think he – obviously, it's tough to say that with how shitty everything was going. But he did a great job with, you know, where he was at and, you know, where we were at. He, we, we had the knowledge. He was detailed. He was extremely detailed, actually, you know, um, in the different scenarios. He was able to – little in-game changes, and if he needed to snap, he could very well. He was great. And, obviously, I really liked him before, too. So, you know, that's not going to – my opinion of him is always going to be high. And Eric Carlson offered this in terms of his assessment of Boogie. Oh, I think Bob did a good job. Um uh... I don't think that he uh, entered a very, uh, you know, easy situation, if you say it like that. 
uh, I think that he did the best that he could with what he had. And uh, I think that he uh, not only thought about uh, you know what he needed to fix immediately. I think that he had a uh, you know much much more of a long term plan. Even though you know his his future was uncertain, I think that he did the right thing for for the organization and the team moving forward. Not only necessarily you know for for the season that we were in. So uh, you know I think that he uh, he did everything that he could um, to be the best coach that he could be in. And uh, you know I think that we got a little bit of a boost of it. But at the same time, I think that we were a little bit too far gone to to really be safe. Now, while we're on the topic of Eric Carlson, we know that health has obviously been an issue. It's come out in a little bit more detail that he was not 100% at the start of the year, and obviously his season ended prematurely. Here's Carlson weighing in on his health. No, I mean, every time you you enter the summer with, you know, starting a rehab, it's never easy. Um, Fortunately, I've done that, I think, throughout all my injuries so far in my career it's always been at the end of the year and you know you're in a situation where you either play through it and and you know risk um you know moving forward or you sit out you know in the playoffs and that's never been an option so uh i think uh anytime you know any player of any age or of any experience every time you have an opportunity in the summer to uh you know take some extra time and spend some extra time on uh, some other things than than just playing hockey i think is is always very beneficial uh so, you know, I've gone through both scenarios and I don't think that it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a negative thing in, in that aspect of, you know, getting, getting back to, uh, you know, the physicality form that, you know, you can do uh, when you have some extra time on your hand. And Carlson also weighed in on the struggle that was the 2019-2020 season. No, it's, it's hard to say. I think that, you know, a lot of changes uh, has happened in a short period of time. Uh, I think they even started kind of before I even got there. And, uh, you know, they've had a lot of success there for a number of years. And I, I, I don't really know what, uh, you know, the exact pinpoint exactly why it did. But I don't think that it's abnormal. I don't think that, you know, it makes us feel like we're lesser of a team or not as good of a team where we don't have a good of a chance, uh, you know, in the future and in the, uh, in the near future as well. So I just think there's a lot of things that kind of build up over a long period of time. And, you know, when, when one thing came crashing down, it all just fell apart. And once you get in, you know, a big hole like that, uh, no matter how good you are, or, uh, you know, how, how much experience you have, it's, it's hard in a short period of time to dig yourself out of that. And it's easy to kind of just let it spin in the way that it's going which is you know not in the right direction and uh, that kind of feels like that's kind of what happened to us we tried so many things to to repair it but at the same time I don't think that uh, you know there was anything we could have done differently that would have changed you know the short term short-term results and by the way if you have not been able to figure it out yes Eric Carlson was playing with his daughter while he was doing this interview it pretty cute in my opinion and uh, offered some nice uh, comedy to uh, what is a relatively serious discussion about a season that did not go the way that any of them wanted or any of us expected. So I I thought it was pretty cute. Like I alluded to earlier, one of the bright spots of the year was Mario Ferraro uh, just immediately coming in out of college as an immediately NHL-ready guy, an impactful NHL-ready guy. He gave this answer when he talked about what it's been like for him uh, throughout the entirety of this first year in the NHL, yeah, it's um, it's definitely not easy to to look at what you've done individually when you know um, you're not able to compete for a Stanley Cup as a team and, and be in that playoff run. But I look back at this year and I had a lot of um, ups and downs throughout the season, and uh, I'm trying to to look at um, those those downward slopes and see uh, where I can where I can improve in those areas. Um, 
Uh, I think defensively, uh, I want to I want to prepare myself to be able to play against top lines um, more often, uh, to be able to compete against those guys and, and hold my own in the D zone. And I think that offensively, uh, I can do a better job of creating more, um, getting more pucks through to the net. You know, that's where I have guys like Bernsey and Eric to to learn from big time. And uh, those are things that I think I can really improve on. Uh, in the off season, at the end of the day, I'm trying to improve my overall game, uh, every area of my game. But there are definitely um, some specifics in terms of, like I just said, you know, getting pucks through and and uh, keeping that opposition um, away from from my own net and, and defend my end really well. So um, trying to put that all together and and uh, you know be be one step step forward heading into next season. Now, of course, another big question for next year is going to be Tomas Hurdle who had positive news to report in terms of his rehab from yet another massive knee injury. I think uh, if I have to knock on my teeth, I think it will be even in October because right now what I'm feeling, you know, I'm doing almost everything. I almost run. I can run now, not full speed, but I, I can do almost everything what I was doing before. And and I'm actually really surprised in after doing even four months. And if I probably... No season will start in October. Probably in a couple of weeks, I will start skating too. So I, I think it's if it's extra time, maybe help me. But I think even in October, I will be 100% ready and ready for season. But we'll see what happens. But I should be 100% ready for next season, wherever it happens. Now, I'm not going to hold him to that, but I do love that he has this amount of a positive reaction with regard to his rehab. To me, that only means good things. And to me, when he's ready, he's ready. But again, I love the positivity. And another thing I wanted to get into was Longature's reaction to sports like UFC coming back without fans in attendance. I love it. I think uh, obviously the UFC fighters would much rather fight in front of fans, but they also understand right now this has got to be our new normal for the time being. And um, I think the UFC has done a great job with it. They had that one positive test with uh, the, the fighter and I think believe the first event and his two of his corner men and um, he didn't fight obviously and they were able to to quarantine him and keep him away and um, you know that's the way that the system's supposed to work. So the system they put in place has been working. Um, I think Dana Wade's done a great job. Uh, it's, it adds excitement to uh, to my Saturdays and they had one in the middle of the week there on a Wednesday and, and the golf was great too. I mean to have that you know, that access to those guys with the video and the, um, the mic in their carts and on, the, on them at all times was awesome. I mean, I, I wish they could do it all the time, you know, get the, the players' reactions right after shots, um, all that. So I think uh, it's, it's looked great on TV. It sounded great. Um, I look forward to watching these events and uh, nothing but good things to say about them. Now, does that mean he would be open to more of that in terms of being mic'd up on the ice in the NHL? I think you're going to have to have about a 10 to 15 second delay um, for you guys. That's for sure. Uh, you know, it's tough. Even when I, we're playing, you know, playoff games, a lot of us are mic'd up in a lot of those games. And, you know, you, you think about it a little bit and warm up. And then once the puck drops, you forget that you got a mic on. And, you know, you, you may say something dumb on the bench to lighten the mood or say something to a trainer that's just out of the blues or out of the ordinary. And then you're thinking like, damn, I got this mic on. I hope <laughs> these people in the truck don't think I'm, you know, an idiot. But uh, I think guys would be open to it. I think it, it gives people, you know, fans a, a, a deeper look into the game. 
um, on the ice. There's a lot of talk on the ice that, that obviously doesn't get heard with the, the, the fans in the building, not that, that it's a terrible thing, but uh, just to hear the, the way that players communicate with each other on the ice uh, would be interesting for a lot of fans. I think it would, uh, it would be more interactive. So great stuff from all these guys to wrap up the end-of-the-year presser. And I thought that a lot of them had some very interesting things to offer, had some very interesting takes on the year. I think they all seemed like they were very frustrated with what happened this past year. And I think that they're aching to get back at the idea of getting the opportunity to prove themselves. There was a little bit of talk with Logan and I believe Mario Ferraro as well, talking about how they might, you know, get a mini camp or get some sort of competitive games going because we don't know when the league is going to restart. I mean, at some point between, you know, October and in November, December, I imagine. I mean, I'm just guessing right now, but I mean, in that, in that range of months, I would imagine that's when the next year is going to start. And I would assume it's going to be a little bit later rather than sooner because of course the late playoffs that are happening right now. But to me, they all struck me as a team of guys that want to prove themselves again. And it's hard not to draw those parallels to what happened in the 2014-2015 season when the Sharks last missed out on the playoffs. They followed it up by making their way to the Stanley Cup final. Now, it is unfair to have that expectation of them this year to think, oh, well, because it happened last time, it'll happen this time. That's nonsense. And it's nonsensical. It lacks rationality. That said, it's hard not to ignore the fact that those guys are drawing upon that experience that they are finding those parallels on their own and that they are talking about the challenges that were issued to them in the past because I feel that those challenges are being issued once again. And I know that a guy like Logan Couture, Eric Carlson, Timo Meyer, Evander Kane, these guys want to go out there and shut up the hockey world and prove that they're still one of the best teams in the NHL. The team has tremendous talent. Last year was an aberration. More often than not, the Sharks are in the playoffs. More often than not, the Sharks are one of the better to best teams in the NHL. More often than not, the Sharks are an aggressive team at the deadline making moves that will make themselves better. This last year was not like that. This last year, again, an aberration, in my opinion. The window is still open. We just have to wait a long, long time before we can see what exactly is going to happen with the next version of the San Jose Sharks. All right, that wraps it up on our regular season editions of Morning Tide. It has been absolutely fantastic to talk with you every Monday morning or whenever it is that you tune into this podcast. I've been able to talk to the entirety of the San Jose Sharks franchise, the San Jose Barracuda franchise, Uh, There's too many names overall to list them all, but I do want to give a specific thank you to Scott Emmert, Patrick Hooper, Ann Frazier, Joanna Schimmel, Kyle Stetzel, Ben Guerrero, Jonathan Becker, Doug Wilson, Missy Zielinski, and of course, Dan Rusinowski, Randy Hahn, Jamie Baker, and Brett Hedekin. Now, unless the world drastically changes, I will be back with you to check in during the offseason. I imagine we'll talk around free agency time maybe potentially during the draft. If anything else comes up big during the offseason, we will check in. We'll bring you the big interviews. We'll bring you the big news. And uh, for now, we just have to wait. Like I keep on saying, we all just wait for the next edition of the San Jose Sharks. But hey, things are moving in the right direction, people. Sports are coming back. 
The Stanley Cup playoffs, even without the Sharks, are still going to be immensely entertaining. I am looking forward to watching them. I've got two teams specifically in the East to pay attention to. It might be the Pens and it might be the Caps. You can probably figure out why, but again, I am just excited that we are taking steps in the right direction towards sports being back and being a part of our day-to-day life. Again, guys, thank you so much. This show doesn't happen without you. So thank you very much, and we'll talk soon, all right? For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off on the 2019-2020 season. Go Sharks! Sharks!